This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Farm operations need to keep up with machinery needs, but in today's inflationary market, many are wondering if it's the right time to buy, lease, or simply keep repairing what they already have. Greg Peterson, Machine Repeat, is our guest as we try to make sense of the machinery market. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. When it comes to using nitrogen on my corn, the more predictable, the better. That's why I've been using Pivot Bio Proven 40 on my corn for the past two seasons. With Pivot Bio, I know my crops are getting the nitrogen they need, no matter the weather. And now that same predictability is available right on the corn seed. Pivot Bio Proven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen. Our field demonstrations show an opportunity for a better ROI and a reduction of synthetic nitrogen. Turn to a better nitrogen with Pivot Bio. I hope you'll learn more. Contact your local sales rep or just go to pivotbio.com. Every time I visit with Machine Repeat, we talk about equipment prices continuing to push higher. This week's show is no exception. However, this time, we talk about what happens when a market begins to retreat. In past decades, there have been collapsing markets that left dealers holding a large stock of late-model used equipment. This time, the market dynamics are different, and Greg and I take a look at the current situation and any strategies we can glean to help us with our machinery needs. Greg Peterson joins me. Of course, Greg is a regular guest here on Farming the Countryside. Greg, I think every time we speak over the last, what, two, three, four years, we continue to talk about machinery prices continuing to climb. I'm guessing you're going to tell me the last six months, has it been the steady climb that we have seen for the previous two or three years? Are we climbing faster? Are we plateauing? What's the data tell us over the last six months or so? Yeah, great question, Andrew. Uh, I would say the data is telling us we're actually unbelievably climbing faster. Uh, it's been unlike anything I've ever seen, honestly. I mean, used equipment values, auction prices were already on the rise late uh, 2019, pre-pandemic, as farmers needed to replace their you know, inventory, update their line of equipment when dollars were tight. And then, of course, fall of 20, commodity prices took off. That was unleashed a new round of escalation with used values. And then the pandemic and all its different effects in myriad ways just brought has brought in waves of increasing value. I mean, it's all tied together, but the supply chain mess, can't get new equipment. The price increases have been multiple and significant with new equipment. But the most important factor, I think, Andrew, and I, I, I'm trying not to be a repetitive uh, drone, like bringing this up like in Farm Journal magazine and our TV show or whatever, but it's the historic tightness of used inventory levels with dealers that we have just never frankly seen before. That's really pushing these values higher and higher because I mean, you need the equipment you need to farm your ground. And if you can't get new, and the used is tight. It's just created this double, triple premium for good condition used equipment. I know that you shared with me some data as far as just the amount of inventory of used equipment 
talk about some different things like i think it was 175 horsepower tractors and just the the used inventory compared to pre-pandemic it's kind of hard to believe at what low levels we are yeah it's it's beyond eye-opening andrew so it got to the point uh, earlier this year i had our tech people at our machinerypeat.com website say hey can you show me the raw number of listings 175 plus horse track used tractors for sale three years ago from the same week in 2019 versus now and it was 79.3 percent fewer uh, listings now so you're know, talking 80 percent fewer so we have a we have a function in our website i'm hoping to open it up to the public someday where we can all look at it but it measures supply and demand so it tracks you know number of clicks owners on certain models or categories of equipment but it also tracks supply the number of dealer listings and the tricky part is for everyone in the ag space whether you're a dealer farmer banker or whatever there's always been this humongous gap, particularly on late model equipment. There's always too much on dealer lots, like this glut. And then it would be okay when times were good, but then when whoop, commodity prices fall, times are tight, dealers were just stuck with this stuff. Well, now they're not stuck with it. They just don't have it. And so the assumptions we make that whenever times tighten up, well, I'll just shift into the used market and prices will fall like a rock like they did the last two, three, four times. You might remember in your memory over the decades. That ain't going to happen this time because that used excess inventory just is not there. So you would say that that is mostly because we just can't get the new. Do you have any way to forecast, are we getting new faster than we were during the middle of the pandemic? Or are we still at the very slow pace that we just can't turn out the new equipment and get it out there on the lot? Well, sadly, the answer is it's not getting any better. And even even late summer of 22, beginning to start to hear some inklings that do not make me happy that it, in certain instances, it could be getting worse. So... You know, we're starting to hear again more horror stories about delivery times. I mean, deal, I mean, dealers are at the mercy. They just, they tell their customers, hey, thanks for buying that new planner or that new combine. We hope to have it to you by X. And then it's just, it's it's problematic getting it. So the if I pull back, Andrew, the way I look at it is over the decades, and I've been doing this about 33 years, uh, when farmers, when money is injected into the system, they need to update their equipment lines because these troughs of downtimes can be long and stressful. And everything is so much more specialized and precise these days. And now, for whatever reason, if you can't get that new equipment when times are good, that's problematic in the short term, but it's really problematic in the long term because that, that good condition used just won't be there as a, as a fallback option. And so, and now we've got interest rates starting to rise. So you start factoring in that stuff. And it, it's just a mix. I, I wish we didn't have this current swirl. And uh, I hate the term, the perfect storm. But I've actually lately just been saying, this is the perfect storm that in, is intensifying on the equipment side. Do you have any idea on that supply side? Is there any one or number of factors that is causing the problem? Is it labor? Is it chips? Is it the steel? What are you hearing from the manufacturers as far as why the problem has remained difficult or maybe even getting a little bit worse? Well, again, unfortunately, yes to everything you just mentioned. 
And I think the employee side, the manpower side, has been a fascinating and frustrating angle. I, I'm sure you've tried to attack it, you know, in your great reporting, Andrew, but, you know, where, where do all the workers go? So if you're making equipment, you know, our sector is one little sector in the whole wide world, but it doesn't matter where you're making it. It's challenging to find, retain, and train talent to make that equipment you need. And then let alone, can we get the steel? Can we get all the component, the computer chips? It's just a really challenging mix. But what's interesting, again, if we pull back, and it's hard to pull back and look at a sector holistically, but a couple of things I would just throw out for people to chew on. One is pricing power. So imagine you're a manufacturer, whether that's a John Deere, Kubota, a little guy, a Demco, whoever. When you have an extended period of strong pricing power, you there's pretty human strong incentive not to give that up. That's good for business. You like that. Now, you can't always control the business climate and conditions, but you've had a long extended taste of pricing power. So that that's that, that is one thing. And I'm getting old and gray, Andrew, so I forgot my second point, so I'll shut up. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Well, you mentioned there earlier about interest rates. You know, when we think about maybe long-term purchases, uh, whether it be land or even renewing our operating loan, we think about that. What are you hearing on the machinery side? Is the interest rate discussion entering any of that or all, or is it just simply we need the machinery bad enough? It doesn't really matter how much we raise the interest rates within a reasonable amount. We're still going to have the demand. Well, there's definitely talk about it. No question. Again, we as a society had been conditioned to normalize basically 0% interest-free money, and we got used to it. And now, whether you're buying a home or you're buying whatever, you know, I guess on the equipment side, I haven't seen any effect yet. But I look at it this way, Andrew, when the Fed came out, I think it was last week as we're talking here, and they raised the rate, and they actually verbalized we're trying to create demand destruction for home buying. And, okay, so demand destruction, higher interest rates, yep, that would make people back off. But the demand on the farm equipment side right now, farmers with money, you know, and what are the what are the projections looking ahead for price of corn and beans? I mean, pretty bullish, the war in Ukraine, all the South American stuff. That you, it hasn't, it hasn't. The interest rates at this point have not destructed demand. Demand is like, yeah, we don't like five percent interest, but screw it. I need this thing, so I'm going to pay it. Yeah, yeah. I have to pay it. Right, right. When you look across all sectors, is the market just as strong through tractors and equipment and combines and everything, or do you see any spots that are rocketing much higher compared to everybody, everything else? Yeah, great question. Uh, over my 30, almost 33 years, I've never seen such a, I guess, homogeneous, whatever, uniqueness where everything has been strong. The only, honestly, the only soft spot I see right now, and I would qualify and say softer, would be like the under 40 horsepower sector of tractors. And that one, again, if we pull back and analyze, it makes sense. That one got superheated first when the pandemic hit, March of 20. Basically, you had landowners, hobby farm owners around the U.S. and Canada. As the world shut down, you know, you're not taking your kids to a ball game or traveling to the basketball tournament. You're not going out to eat. Here comes a government check or two in the mail. Uh, 
people were getting stir crazy, looking out their window, going, hey, we really, I would like to work on that burn back there. So anyway, the demand for new and used you know, small horse tractors, jet skis, snowmobiles, ATVs just went vertical. And again, this is the interesting thing. So we track auction price data, yes, but we also track search traffic. You know, what are what are people clicking on? What are they looking for? And that demand line just went vertical on that stuff. Now, used inventories crashed because dealers basically sold everything they had summer of 20, fall into early 21. Now, that's this particular sector caught up quicker under 40 horse tractors because there's more manufacturers. You've got Coyote, Montana, Branson, Kubota, obviously Deer Case, New Holland. And so the supply of new, it took a while, but started to catch up. So now we're seeing dealers maybe verbalizing, oh, geez, yeah, we, we maybe have too many of those 35 horse tractors. Let's run some specials on them. Maybe we'll run you a three and a half percent special or something. But if you drift into the larger tractors and the combines and the planters and the sprayers, it is on fire. And, and the latest thing I've seen, Andrew, it again, it's waves of flames at this point. So initially, whenever times are good, you start to see the best conditioned used items start to bring a premium at auction or maybe a double premium. Well, now we're seeing higher hour items in good condition sell for prices that are just shocking. So, for example, I posted a note the other day. It was a John Deere 9770 SDS combine. It was a very nice one, but it had, I think, 4,900 engine hours on it. So, you know, getting up there. But it brought, I want to say, 56K. And this was an auction like a week and a half ago. And when you use our, our free auction data at machinerepeat.com and use the filters, if and this is how I write the columns, I go in there and I go, God, that seemed high. So show me all the 9770 auction prices over 4,000 hours. And it's like, oh, that's the highest or second highest ever by a margin that just blows the doors off anything else. And again, that's something I haven't seen before. That's that's a new development here the last three, four months. Demand is remaining strong. So I'm guessing, you know, people are still out there. They're searching, they're clicking, they're buying and so forth. But do you hear talk of people saying, well, I'm just going to hold on to what I have longer. I'm going to repair it. I would think people are, but yet the demand remains strong. So there's still people out there buying. Yeah, that's exactly what people are verbalizing, Andrew. It's again, if people and farmers, the farm segment, you know, you've been in this for a long time. Uh, very savvy business people. And they, they, because of the risk involved at every turn in their business, they're forced to continually look over the curve ahead in the road. And it's, I mean, how can you predict, you know, all these factors at play? But on the machinery side, I think the last uh, 12 months or so have spooked farmers. Coming off of last fall, uh, November 21 harvest, and you, maybe you couldn't get that part for your combine. You had to drive 350 miles to get the one stupid part. Or I want to buy a new planner now, but oh, I was a little late on the early order program. I can't get it. <clears throat> so it's interjected uh, what I've seen in the used market auction pricing of uh, buying equipment as a hedge. And that's something you can control. Do I want to buy a backup sprayer? No. But as I look ahead, it's like my dealer doesn't have any excess if I have an issue with mine. 
And like you said, the default instinct for farmers is to run their equipment longer. But again, see, that plays into this perfect storm because everyone is, if everyone does that and runs their used equipment longer and there's already a shortage of used equipment, that's why I came out, I thought long and hard before I wrote it, but, and I don't, I don't mean to be cheeky or whatever, but if you don't like paying this double, triple premium for good used equipment now when times are good, I'm guessing you're really not going to like paying a premium when times are tough. But that's that's where this boat is headed right now. That's the data I'm looking at. Well, you know, you mentioned to me that you have people all the time asking you, okay, when's the other shoe going to drop? When will things fall apart? But... Number one, there wouldn't seem to be a reason that would be the case because we have so much demand. Uh, commodity prices remain high. Is there a, t- I mean, certainly ever is a long time. So at some point we probably hit that, but that point has to be down the road quite a ways, doesn't it? Even if we re- erode the commodity prices and so forth, you have such a tight inventory. Do you think that these prices hold and we don't have the severe decline that we've seen in other cycles? Well, short answer, yes. I think that is what that is where this boat is headed, and it's it's a destination we've never seen before collectively. Like I say, if you go back through the history and chart the price of corn with my auction price data on good used equipment, that's I mean it's it's a spot on match, the ups and downs. Land is the same way, uh, but again, right now, it's just this lack of inventory. And I guess the other point that I've with my gray hair that I forgot to mention earlier that's taken place at breakneck pace over the last seven, eight years is the what's happened with the dealer consolidation. So it used to be a four to eight store dealer chain was, Oh my God, they're huge. They got eight stores. Well, now those are the little guys and they've been getting sucked up by, you know, these big chains and we understand what's at work. And, and frankly, there's a, are a lot of positives you know, dealers can invest in their talent and to better serve the customer. It's, you know, of course, farmers don't like losing their local dealer. I just got a note Sunday night and on the southeast part of the U.S. Another big John Deere dealer bought another big dealer. But when you wind up with fewer dealers and manufacturers that like pricing power, and there aren't that many players in this space, and the hurdles to get into this space. You know, oh, there's room for another tractor manufacturer. Well, good luck getting in. I mean, how heavy a lift is that? Whereas the smaller horse tractors, it's not. So, again, you swirl all this together, and people are waiting for the other shoe to drop. But that gets to my point of, like, you don't like the double, triple premiums now, and it's tough. I mean, I feel bad for young farmers trying to get a foothold now. Or farmers that have relied over the decades on maybe that second or third level trade. That's how they roll. That's what worked for their, them financially. But now that there just isn't the volume to choose from and you're having to pay way more for that not as nice third tier combine, unfortunately, that's just the way it is now. You mentioned something that uh, is interesting. Certainly, we've seen consolidation, especially of some of those um, large implement dealers. I'm curious, do you see, and this might relate more to smaller horsepower tractors or smaller equipment, but certainly as you move smaller, there seems to be more companies. 
Has this been an opening at all for them to create uh, more business because there is such big demand? Have they been able to make any inroads in these markets or what do you see? I know I've talked with some of those uh, dealers and, and their goal is, is we want to buck that trend. We don't want to take away your local dealer. We want independent local dealers. Are they gaining ground in, in this market or can you see any differences? Yeah, I think on the local level, yes. Um, farmers do want and respect maybe that smaller type dealer. I've, I've thought for years, Andrew, there's a growing need in the equipment space for maybe every state to have one or two kind of super short liners where you'd have a dealer that would carry, you know, whether it's the top 20 short lines or whatever. But as the dealer network is contracted and they tend you know, deer in particular, you know, it's good business practice. The purity of what you sell, maybe not selling a different type of cornhead. You obviously want to sell a John Deere cornhead. But uh, there's been big opportunity, I think, for smaller dealers. Now, it's hard to, for them to have the scale to, you know, if you're rocking it around St. Joe, Missouri, a little dealer, how much capacity do you have to grow that business? Um, in terms of straight market share, I guess a couple of things I've been really watching, you know, who is, who has product on this, on the bigger ag side. I've been watching what Kubota has been doing for years and kind of a fan of their business strategy. Um, at the core, they're, you know, trying to add more raw number of dealerships and investing in parts availability. So I've, you probably reported on it a few years ago when they dropped 90 million on their parts center and like, uh, I forget what part of Kansas it was. But I thought, oh, that's smart. And that was when the business cycle was in a downturn. Um, I'm interested looking at some of the ACO family, like Funt, you know, um, you know, very deep history. Uh, so, you know, can you message to the American farmer for a premium, you know, the, the momentum planner or the ideal combine or the new tractors that might have a bigger price tag? But Maybe can you message that you have more dealers and better service? Because it's an opportunity. Now it's a tough, tough switch to get any farmer to change their brand loyalty. And the majors do a fantastic job taking care of their customers. But in this environment, there there is opportunity in many different directions. And then it just comes down to execution. Can you tell that any certain dealers or any certain manufacturers are manufacturing more equipment and have it out on the lot or is everybody pretty much at the same pace of we just can't turn it out um, did you see any difference uh, i guess what i'm seeing andrew from the, from the biggest of the bigs down to the small regional you know maybe a company that makes some gravity wagons or something they've all struggled equally on sourcing product and i think that gets in you brought it up before but like shipping worldwide uh, I remember at a farm show last fall, I asked a, a little manufacturer, what is the biggest issue on the supply chain mess? And they immediately said, well, it's shipping out of India and China. Now, again, I, I'm no expert on this stuff, but that combined with the worldwide uh, employee shortage and issues, it's it's made it tough for all manufacturers to have product to sell. Before we wind up, I'm curious, when you go out and you know you're on the road a lot, do you see as many folks at sales or is the demand such now that people just say, I don't need to go see it. I just need to go just buy it. However, I just buy it online. What are you seeing out there in the country? Oh, that's a great question, Andrew. I could tell within 
one week of the, when the pandemic started, I, I, I just felt it in my bones. It's like this whole thing is changing right underneath us. And the space is jamming forward like five to seven years. So we are still seeing lots of people out at the sales, but not near as many as fast days. And in fact, the last sale we filmed was in eastern Wisconsin for our TV show. It was a great retirement sale. Prices were fantastic, like every other sale. But the auctioneer, who I've known for 30 years, I asked him before the sale, what percentage do you sell online? And he was like, oh, we've, you know, we've never run over 25 to 30%. And as they moved down the line that day, it was like, sold online, sold online, sold online to North Carolina, whatever. And afterwards, his eyes just were big. And he goes, Pete, we're over 50%. And that's kind of what I'm seeing all over the place. Now, a lot of those buyers, they might've been five miles away. Just they're busy. They just click the button and, and buy it. So it's really interesting to track. Yeah. Always good to visit with you. For those that don't know, how can they find you uh, online and find out about everything that we've been talking about? Well, just go type machine repeat into any search engine or whatever. Our website is our hub, machinerepeat.com, but obviously out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. And uh, and uh, again, appreciate what you do, Andrew. Thank you for having me on and uh, appreciate everyone for, for uh, supporting our machinery repeat things that we do. That's it for this week's show. Remember, you can hear all of our shows at farmingthecountryside.com, on many local radio stations, or on your favorite podcast platform. And you can follow Farming the Countryside on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as well. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com.